Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to Jazz's Travel. Hello everybody, Jazz's online editor Matt Mikuchi here welcoming you to a new episode of Jazz's Travel. This is a podcast series that explores jazz and creative music in all four corners of the globe, touching on cross-cultural projects, different music traditions and more through conversations with or about groundbreaking, innovative and visionary artists. Alex Apollo Ayala has established himself as one of the most distinctive and in-demand bassists in the jazz and Latin music community of New York City. He is particularly highly regarded for his ability to marry modern jazz ideas with Latin-inspired rhythms. His new album as a leader, Bambula, is a remarkable celebration of his ancestors and his Afro-Puerto Rican culture. In fact, you may say that with this record, he offers his own original vision of the bomba, Puerto Rico's oldest and purest musical form. Through this album, Ayala also celebrates his ancestors and his Afro-Puerto Rican culture, ruminates on identity and race, and pays tribute to his late mother and grandmother. Bambula is out now on Truth Revolution Records, and without further ado, let's get into it. Fire up on audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is our conversation with Alex Apollo Ayala. Hello, Alex. Welcome to Jazz is Travel. Thank you for having me, man. Pleasure oh, it's a real here. pleasure. Yeah, it's a real pleasure to have you. You know, uh, what part of the world are you speaking to us from right now? I'm uh, from uh, Brooklyn, New York, USA. Great to great to meet you. We're going to be talking about uh, your new album, Bambula. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, Bambula. Great, That's great. Right. I mean, it's a celebration of your Puerto Rican culture, and uh, we'll talk about it uh, in a moment. But I wanted to begin talking about it by asking you about its title because i understand it refers to the bomba uh one of the most important forms of folk musics from puerto rico right yeah bomba is puerto rico's oldest music form uh because it arrived with the uh transatlantic uh, slave trade in the 18 17 and 18th century and um yeah the word bambula bambula is a rhythm in the bombo realm bomba is uh it's like an umbrella and or, or or a tree and uh, in that tree there's a lot of rhythms 
And bambula is uh, how you call one of those rhythms, but it's also a Kikongo uh, word. Kikongo, it's, um, it's the language of Zebantu, which is the people from the Congo. And the majority of the ancestors that arrived in Puerto Rico were from the Congo area, and they spoke the, uh, the Kikongo. And uh, bambula means, uh, it's a word in the Kikongo language that means that remembering uh, where you're from, remembering uh, a place long forgotten. Do you feel that uh, people are still aware of the, the history of this music in Puerto Rico at large? And what does it mean to you personally, this music? Puerto Ricans, have, we are very proud of our culture, but we, because of the, the uh, colonial situation that we are, we were taught or were tried to, you know, forcibly to, to assimilate that uh, our culture was not uh, good enough, you know, that we were not up to par with, uh, you know, with other cultures, you know, and uh, a lot of, of us had to fight for, you know, to preserve our cultures, our roots, you know, our language as well, you know, and uh, these rhythms are an essential part of our Afro-Puerto Rican heritage. This album, Bambula, is a celebration of Afro-Puerto Rican culture. It's a, it's a celebration of Puerto Rican culture, but specifically Afro-Puerto Rican culture, and my journey to rediscover and to reach again my roots as an Afro-Puerto Rican man. Definitely, this is something that I'm going to want to ask you a little later on for sure. Uh, but just speaking of uh, the bomba and the bambula, as you introduced it for us, and especially for people who don't know anything about it, it's basically, you know, it has been around for 400 years, basically. Yeah, uh, 400, 500 years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really, obviously, a really long time. Uh, does it continue to evolve in this uh, period of time? And is it evolving still, do you feel? Compared to plena, which is another Afro-Puerto Rican uh, rhythm, um, not so much. It evolved because, you know, from by the time it arrived in Puerto Rico, you know, via ancestors, you know, and uh, bomba is a, is, is, a, is a component of uh, the Bakongo people, but also from a lot of uh, ancestors that escaped uh, the uh, slavery from the French islands, from Haiti, from the French Caribbean, like Guadalupe, Martinique. You know, the traffic was uh, everywhere, and a lot of people, French-speaking people, arrived in Puerto Rico as well. So a lot of lyrics are in the French Creole, mixed with Bakongo, mixed with Spanish. And the rhythms evolved as well during that time. At some point, I don't know why, you know, it stopped, uh, like, you know, you have very few musicians and very few people like, trying to, you know, dissect the whole thing and trying to make it a little bit, uh, you know, more, like, expand it a little more, if you will. It has uh, stayed in a pure way. You know, like a very traditional, pure way, which is beautiful. You know, I love it. But jazz explorations, not only jazz, but further explorations of all these rhythms, you know, with all with the different rhythms from around the world, not so much. You know, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to do this uh, project. I mean, this project is a component of very, very different things for me. But also like the richness of these rhythms and the possibilities of these rhythms are endless. And I wanted to explore that also with this album. On this record, what would you say that you offer your own vision of the bomba? Because after yeah. all, I mean, we should say uh, also on top of that, seven of its eight tracks are actually original compositions. Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. 
you kind of try to, to find that balance too, right? Between tradition, but also you're kind of experimenting a little bit. Yes, because that's, um, I wanted to be true to myself. And uh, in this album, I mean, you have six rhythms of bomba. When you usually, when people hear bomba or bomba, you know, they only know one rhythm with the sika. Um, but, you know, I have six rhythms in this album and variations of the Sika rhythm, you know, in three fourths and, and then five fourths, if you will. So I want to be true to myself. And I'm, I'm like, man, there's so much possibilities with these rhythms, you know. I mean, you have a, a tune like uh, Matriarca, you know, which is uh, it's a, a, it's a bomba rhythm called Cuembe. Um, but you also have a lyrical melody, you know, and so on and so forth. So I am being true to myself by keeping the rhythms, you know, somehow intact, but at the same time experimenting with them a little bit, like uh, playing the playing the rhythms in odd meters and playing the rhythms uh, in a non-traditional way, you know, and mixing these rhythms with other uh, Afro-Caribbean rhythms as well. You know, all of that is part of who I am, and that's what I wanted to express in this album. One of the things that I wanted to express in the album. It sounds like you put some really passionate research into this music and into this project. Uh, how much of this research, which eventually culminated into this new record, uh, Bambula, uh, was motivated by your own desire to discover your own self, your own identity and your own heritage? Yes, that's a great question because the, this album is the, the end result of a long journey. That started in 2019 when my mother, dear mother, passed away. God rest her wonderful soul. And um, later, you know, after that, the pandemic hit, and then uh, the civil unrest that happened in the summer of 2020 with the George Floyd murder, and um, then also the, uh, you know, I, my grandmother also passed away after that. So it's been a reflection, in a culmination of a long process for me, because there is a lot of discussion about race. In twenty, in the summer of twenty twenty, in the United States, but also in the Latina community, that subject of race has always been very touchy. You know, a lot of people don't talk about it. Specifically in Puerto Rico, um, there was an indoctrination of uh, we are a mixed. You know, Puerto Ricans are a, a product of of of, uh, of three races, like the Spanish, you know, the indigenous, Taino, and the African, but. There was also be in Puerto Rico. There's also be an, a racial awakening, meaning that uh, no, we are Afro Puerto Ricans. We are um, Puerto Ricans of African descent, or most uh, mostly African descent, and we are reclaiming our roots and we are reclaiming our heritage. That was an important part of this, of an uh, important component of this album, but also the the personal side, you know, of the album, which is you know a homage a tribute to my mother and my grandmother as well. And all the trauma that I went through, you know, during that time. And also, I had, I took, and it, you know, the tri the triggering part of this album was that I took uh, two DNA tests. One of those uh, swab uh, DNA tests. Right. Yeah. Um, I took one generic one. But then I, I took uh, uh, what is called the African uh, DNA, which is, you know, it just measures your, directly your African DNA. And it, it, the result was like 99.6, 99.8, something like that, uh, from the T-Car uh, people in Cameroon. You know, wow. so I was like, wow, that was, you know, that was a, sh a shock. 
and a revelation for me, meaning that, yeah, you, at some point, you know, during these 500 years, you know, at, you are the descendant of a Tikar woman that arrived in Puerto Rico from Cameroon. And that was a triggering point of me to sit down and I'm going to write this music, reclaiming my culture, reclaiming my heritage, but also as a tribute to my mother and my grandmother. So did you draw strength from your discovery about your, your own self? Yes. Yeah, I sat down. I woke up every day and I sat down and I worked on this music and every every tune has a purpose, every tune has a meaning, and every tune has a story behind it. Hmm. And uh, I did that for, I don't know, I mean, maybe a month. I finished all the tunes in, in, in maybe a month. And yeah, after that, it was just a, a matter of putting the uh, putting everything together.
The track you are hearing just now is the one non-original song from Bambula from the new album by Alex Apollo Ayala, available now on Truth Revolution Records. The importance of this particular song and its inclusion in the record is something that will be discussed later on in our conversation with the artist. All of the tracks on Bambula are original compositions, artfully blending Afro-Caribbean styles with jazz language, making an impactful and impressive musical statement. Here is the second part of our conversation with Alex Apollo Ayala. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit more because I'm also fascinated to, to, to find out a little more about your beginnings, let's say. Uh, you're a very in-demand bassist, but uh, when did you first pick up the bass and what was it that drew you to this instrument? It's funny, because I grew up in the um, in Rio Piedras, Puerto Rico. In, um, in here in the United States, they call it the projects. Oh. Um, Puerto Rico is called Residenciales Públicos. You know, and I'm, I'm the oldest of uh, three uh, kids from a single mom, you know. And, uh, you know, growing up in the projects, you know, it's a rough neighborhood, rough environment. After I graduated from elementary school, my mother wanted to me, wanted me to attend uh, a better school, if you will. So she arranged this uh, mini tour around the, uh, you know, the city in San Juan. Like, you know, you're gonna apply for this school that they specialize in like uh, math, and you're gonna apply to this other school that is gonna specialize in visual arts. And so on and so forth. Oh, this uh, this school is uh, like is, is you're gonna specialize in sports, and no no school will accept me. Um, but then, mom, my mother had a friend that uh, knew the director of a music school in Puerto Rico, so they arranged for me to take a late uh, admission test at this school two weeks after the uh, semester started, and I went there, and they didn't pass the test. According to the test, I have no musical. Uh, abilities you know yeah and uh but but then um you know my mother was like please you know like we come not please but we you know she explained the situation to the director of the school you know like uh, this kid you know he come from this uh rough neighborhood you know saying mom you know yeah we believe that he has a future you know would you accept him still and uh the director said yes yes of course no problem and that's why i started in music uh-huh. i wanted to play percussion um, that was my, because they ask you, what instrument would you like to play? I was like, well, I guess percussion, I guess, right? Everybody wants to play drums in Puerto Rico, yeah. uh, or most people want, but percussion was already full because everybody wants to play the drums. <laughs> so the only two instruments left was the tuba and the double bass. And I saw the two, I was like, yeah, it's a wind instrument. I don't, I don't really feel like uh, blowing no instrument. It doesn't look so, like a very attractive instrument. Yeah, <laughs> it's like very, it's. I mean, it's a beautiful instrument, but you know, I didn't know anything about music or musical instruments at the time. Only yeah. drums. Yeah. And uh, the double bass similar. I mean, it was like, it was still huge, but yeah. it seemed more easier to you know more approachable, if you will. Yeah. And that's why I started. How I started in the instrument. I was eleven years old. Right. Uh, you know. Yeah. Th- again, fascinating story. I mean, music to you was something that had an importance that went beyond 
you know, the the aesthetic of music. It was, it really was something that, you know, almost saved your life in a way. Yes. What, what do you think would have happened if you hadn't encountered music early in your life? Do you ever the think about day, that? The other day, my wife asked me that same question. And I told her, I don't know. Mm. I mean, the other thing that I could have done is sports, you know, but like combat sports, you know, like, you know, boxing, you know, or mixed martial arts, you know, like getting punched in the face for a paycheck, you know. Yeah. But other than that, I told, I, I told her, I don't know. Yeah. I have no idea. And that's, that scared me a little bit. Well, there is a, a, a certain uh, level of physicality, I guess, involved in playing the double bass, right? Because as you mentioned, it's such a big instrument, you know. I always picture yeah. people like Charles Mingus, you know, he was a big man and the, the instrument itself was big. Everything was big about <laughs> that situation. There is a level yeah. of physicality uh, to it, I guess. I've always... I've always reckoned, but, uh, and speaking of that, you know, see, seen as you're also a composer, uh, again, uh, your composition is well showcased on this latest album. Uh, is that your starting point for you? Do you always, uh, begin with the baseline or do you have any other entry point, uh, that you could share with us? Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day and, um, I think that there are various approaches to composition, some mm. or, or product, pr- producing an album. Some people, you know, some musicians, you know, they have, they either have a deadline or I'm just going to write music, you know, I'm just going to use this, I'm going to use that, I'm going to use all these elements that I, that I've learned, you know, and uh, I'm just going to write tunes, you know, because for right, for the sake of writing tunes or experimenting with the harmony or rhythms or whatever. Yeah. I don't have that approach. If I am going to sit down and I am going to write a composition or produce an album, it has to have a purpose. It has to have a meaning. That's why I haven't, uh, you know, up until this point, from eight, uh, almost uh, nine years, uh, you know, since I moved to New York, I haven't, uh, you know, I didn't uh, write anything. You know, I didn't uh, make no albums, even, even though people were asking me, where, where, where is your album coming? I was like, no, it's not the time. Because honestly, I had no purpose. You know, there was nothing that was calling me to sit down and write uh, tunes that had a perfect, had a, had a story for me. Uh-huh. You know, I am not the, the type of musician that just writes for the sake of writing. So when I sat down to write all these tunes, I had a purpose, I had a story, I had, I had a meaning. Everything has a meaning behind it. Uh-huh. And that's why, that's my approach to, to um, that was my approach to this uh, album, but also in general. I have my, my electric bass, you know, I sit down, you know, um, okay, I am gonna, uh, you know, just fishing for melodies, like what melody, you know, catch my, my ear, you know, oh, this is nice. And then I write the melody, you know, it's like, huh, okay, this is, this is always gonna be focused on bomba. Right. So what rhythms of bomba, you know, can I use? And I have to, I have to listen to a whole bunch of rhythms, you know, and also a lot of rehearsing with, uh, Nelson Mateo Gonzalez, the percussionist in the album, you know, like, you know, we can use this rhythm, you know. And so on and so forth. So it was an exploration of, uh, of, of rhythms, but also compositional wise, it was just a melody, you know, and the rhythm and myself bridging both the melody and br- bridging both uh, the melody and the rhythm. So, I mean, expression is really yes. important to you. 
to the point where you don't rush into any project. Yeah, unless I have a deadline or I have a uh, like a commission. Like the other day, yeah, uh, the Antonio Hardy saxophonist uh, that I played with, he asked me, "Can you bring uh, like a, like a couple of tunes for a show that we have?" I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yes, if I had to do that, yes, of course, I'll sit down and I just write something. But when it comes to my own project, my own uh, expression of myself, no, I. It has to have a purpose, a story, or or something behind it. Huh. For the sake of writing something, unless it's something commissioned, no, I don't do. I don't do that. Sure. And then you certainly assembled an excellent cast of uh, players on this on this record. There's some really great artists and musicians on on uh, Bambula. Uh, among the musicians you collaborate uh, with is uh, Premier saxophonist Ivan Renta. Now. Can you tell me uh, about uh, more a little bit more about the uh, the birth of this collaboration between the two of you and the role he takes on in Bambula because he you know he's a very important melodic voice in this record. Yeah, so after you know the music was done and all the charts were in my computer, so that was the next step. All right, who's gonna play this music? So I started thinking, okay. I would like somebody that can play, that knows the rhythms, you know, that is familiar familiar with these uh, rhythms, and can improvise within the language of the rhythms, but also in the language of jazz. In other words, a bilingual musician. And that was that word bilingual. That's uh, because that's how I, de- I identify myself as a bass player. I'm bilingual. I can play both my music, uh, Afro-Caribbean music, uh, Latin music, if you will, and also jazz. So that word bilingual was important to me. And uh, when I was thinking about the musicians in this album, they have to have that quality. So Ivan, you know, he's been playing his whole life Afro-Cuban music, you know, with a lot of uh, people, but also he plays a lot of Afro-Puerto Rican music as well with the uh, Los Pleneros de la 21, which is uh, uh, the premier group in uh, of Afro-Puerto Rican culture in uh, New York City. And he plays with that. He's been playing with that band for a long time. And uh, he also... He's also very, he has a vast knowledge of the jazz language as well. So he was uh, the, the first option that came to mind because I know that he can play both uh, languages. And that was very important to me. Hmm. Um, Mateo, you know, he is the best Afro-Puerto Rican percussionist in this city, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. I mean, his, his knowledge is just uh, amazing. And the way he plays, you know, the energy that he radiates, it's the best you know, he was born and raised in the bomba and plena tradition, you know, so he was literally raised, you know, in the drum, you know, so he was uh, also a great option. But I was I was like, yeah, I, I told him, I, you know, I'm trying to pull you into the jazz world a little bit more, you know, because he's got the folklore. He's got one thousand percent the folklore. But when it comes to the intercommunication of jazz you know and the and the openness and the freedom of of the of the jazz uh you know possibilities you know like i wanted to pull him more into this uh into that side you know like be free you know just to hear what you you know just listen to what's going on and just be free you know intercommunicate yeah. with us you know don't just uh constrict yourself and don't hold yourself into just playing the, the pattern in the in the drum you know so yeah, it's been a, a wonderful process uh, for 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 him and, and for all of us. Yeah. Fernando uh, came. Um, the the first the first drummer that I had in mind was a friend of mine called Joel Mateo, which is great a great drummer. But Joel is very very thank God he's very very busy, very busy schedule. You know, 
So uh, I was like, well, I'm going to have to go in another you know, direction because you know, they're all super busy. So Fernando actually has his own project going on for, long, for the longest time. It's called Guasabara. And uh, it's also an exploration of bomba and jazz. And he, you know, as soon as I, you know, I was watching a couple of videos, you know, and, and just talking to him and just one session that we did. And I was like, man, this is the guy because he understands and he can apply perfectly to, you know, the, this, the bomba rhythm of, of, you know, take that from the bomba barrel into the drum set. You know, he can, uh, translate. That's the word. He can translate those rhythms into the drum set and put those rhythms in the drum set. He was a, perfect option a perfect uh, match for us and yeah. we just uh, kept rehearsing kept rehearsing kept exploring you know did a couple of, of gigs a couple of presentations before going to, into the studio and that's how it happened yeah so uh, alex uh we've um we've run out of time but i do want to ask you one more question uh, uh we talked about your composition well on showcase here on this record uh, but I wanted to actually ask you about the one track that is not an original. It's in a, it's an arrangement of a classic yeah. song called Las Caras Lindas. Now, my curiosity is just quite simply, why did you decide to pick this particular song as the one track that is not an original composition? Yeah. So this tune is, um, it's a, it's a well known, uh, song that was sang by, uh, an iconic, uh, Puerto Rican, Afro-Puerto Rican singer called uh, Ismael Rivera or Milo Rivera. He was a salsa singer that was very popular in the, in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Um, and this song is one of his most famous songs. And it's, I picked it because it's one of those unofficial uh, hymns to... The beauty of Afro-Puerto Rican, uh, the Afro-Puerto Rican people, Afro-Puerto Rican culture. Yeah, the lyrics and the interpretation just speak to my heart every single time I hear it. And it's a celebration of, of, of and the beauty of our culture, our people, you know, our black Puerto Rican people. And for me, it was a no-brainer. I, you know, I, I said to myself, I am not going to have no covers in this album except for this one song right. because the significance and the message behind it, you know, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a famous tune called Black Gold in the, you know, Afro, Afro, African-American uh, songbook. This tune is like a, the Spanish version of, uh, or a version of that uh, message, you know, mm. and it's, it was, uh, yeah, it was very important for me to have it in the album. But, you know, if I'm going to have it in this, uh, in the record, you know, I have to really dissect and I have to sit down and do something with it. You know, it can be just, uh, you know, just a basic, uh, I mean, it could be a basic bomba rhythm, you know, with the melody and whatever, but I wanted to do more than that. Yeah. So I, I, that tune, that was the one tune that I sat down and, you know, my compositional and arranging skills came, you know, like, yeah, this is the tune that I am just going to, try to showcase my composition and arranging skills. Thank you very much once again for joining us and talking with us about your new album, Bambula. Thanks a lot. Oh, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it.
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Alex Apollo Ayala. His new album Bambula is available now on Truth Revolution Records. And I hope you will join me again next week for more globetrotting conversations on a new episode of Jazz's Travel. In the meantime, I encourage you to check out jazzes.com for more excellent content on jazz and creative music. And of course, if you like what you see, you can subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon.